morning, Hidden Treasures, back again for another podcast. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, good morning to anybody who listens in and listens to this podcast later on. And good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Phil. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, interesting that I uh, just bring this up that uh, the podcast we did on the AI uh, and the way it came out in the end, uh, again, because we do the live show uh, and, you know, when we did that podcast, we couldn't hear any of that feedback on our side. Uh, it wasn't until it was uh, published and then replayed that you couldn't really hear, but it was just uh, interesting that that happened while we were talking about AI. And uh, sometimes y'all yeah, will let the enemy show themselves just to, you know, cause the enemy doesn't want us, doesn't want people knowing about the uh, artificial intelligence that he's been dealing out and uh, the information that's that's there. And Yah will let that happen just to uh, give evidence of the enemy as well as they give evidence of themselves as well. Just because something doesn't exactly go right, we can't just say, well, you know, it was God's plan for, for that. And well, they allowed it to happen for a reason. And at some point, I, I know it was very difficult if you tried to listen to it to understand what we were saying, because uh, to hear it through that squealing noise. Um, but at some point, we will revisit that uh, topic uh, whenever Mother <coughs> deems that we're going to go back to it, and then we'll just talk about it again and bring more clarification in the midst of it. With this topic that we have this morning, because I had a couple of ideas and then I wasn't, uh, I didn't want to rush it, didn't want to try to uh, put something up before it's time. And I had a couple thoughts, a couple ideas, and uh, this is the one that Mother settled on this morning about two minutes before you got here. I, I posted it up and and it's interesting because this we're going to talk about pertains to something that is, uh, you can see it from this perspective as the potter and the clay, but it's more uh, intended to be, it's more metaphorical with the physical perspective. It's not intended to be taken uh, completely literal because that changes what God's 
said in the Bible and God's design and their plan. Uh, so it takes it out of your hands completely and puts it in God's hands. <coughs> and they, uh, it's more metaphorical for the understanding. And we'll, we'll get more in depth into that perspective um, but this, you know, this is something that we've talked about in the gathering uh, here recently, along with the break. Uh, this just ties to the, the breaking and how you break and why you break and the why you need to be broken. And so with pottery, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good piece of something in this life that will help us to understand God and what they want from us. But if we take everything in the Bible from a literal perspective, then it's not intended that way. And that's why we need to have mother in our heart because she's the one that will guide us into what is the literal and what is the metaphorical uh even in some of the parables that messiah gave he gave a uh, metaphorical understanding of the literal ending the rich man and lazarus so it's a combination and this is another one of those that is a combination and you can't just put it completely to one because if you do then it completely removes the uh, the concept and the aspect of God and faith and uh, you coming to faith in God. And so it also plays into the scripture that you hear people uh, use a lot because they use it from this uh, literal perspective is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Well, he's the potter with the clay, so whatever it is. And it's just important that those who are seeking with all of their heart are just digging into the word and really crying out to God, asking God to help them to see what they need to see because God's, God can help you to see it, but you have to see it yourself. And when you see it, then you have to determine you know, is this something that I have to completely destroy because it's no good or I have to completely destroy the way I've been doing it and start new again uh, because I have a, a lump that is absolutely solid that doesn't line up with the truth of God and I'm, I'm completely demolishing that, getting rid of it and starting anew. And it's a concept of the... Uh, old is gone and the new has come, that the old has to be gone. You know, to repent means to destroy the house, that that we don't just try to destroy some of the house. We destroy the house completely, and then we build it back to the plans that God has for it and with the materials that God gives. We're not permitted to use the same material in the house. Even if you have a piece of truth, it's attached to something that's false. 
So you have to get that truth again from God. You have to get that lumber, that new lumber from God, and then start building a new. It doesn't mean that there wasn't some truth in your old life, but in order for you to move on, you've got to destroy. You've got to become a different person. It's a must. It's a, the aspect of repentance is that you're dying to yourself. You're getting rid of the old you, and you're going to formulate and bring about a new you based in the reality and the truth of God. So I want to turn it over to you and see what thoughts you have right now. As you were speaking about this, I had this go through my mind to give a picture of that. It indeed is metaphorical, the potter and the claim. What Paul was saying was, is that in the grand scheme of things is that Yah's the creator and we're the creation of God, meaning that Yah's the one that is sovereign and we follow the ways of God. We don't switch it to where we're in the position of God and then God is in the position of us. And he's using that picture to where if you're somebody making pottery, that the potter is the one that's over, that controls the shaping of the clay. And that's what it's ultimately saying is it's not for us to complain to Yah and say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You need to give me an answer because you're attempting to be the potter instead of your position is the clay. What happens though is with faith is, Yes, Yah is the potter. They have the truth. It, it's from them. We are the clay. We mold ourselves to fit with the truth. And then Yah gives us the authority to then be the potter of our own life, of our own faith, because each person, you, me, all those that are true in true faith in Yah, you are the potter of your own clay, your own life. And that's why mankind is without excuse. Yah cannot be mocked because Yah made it to where you have the free will choice. You make your own decisions. You're the clay. You shape your own life. You can either shape your life based in doing what is right, or you can shape your life in doing what is dysfunctional, which is sin. Each person will answer to Yah when they stand before them. Did you walk in obedience? Did you walk in disobedience? You're the one that made your own life, and that's why when it says Yah cannot be mocked, each person reaps what they sow. You plant a watermelon seed, it's going to reap watermelons. It's not ever going to bring a different fruit than the watermelon. Whatever the seed is has that in it. <clears throat> Why is it so difficult to change somebody else? You actually can't change somebody else. Because what, and we had touched on this briefly when me and Josh were on the podcast last, in regards to the potter and the clay, what we have done in the past is we will take our hands and reach over on somebody else's pottery wheel and attempt to mold their clay. We don't have the ability to do that. We think we do. All we can do is give people information, and they're actually the ones that must take their own clay and mold it. The responsibility that we have with this gospel message of Yah is we're ambassadors for Christ. We bring information, but we are not going to go on somebody's pottery wheel into their pottery 
because one, we can't change it anyway. It is, it made me think of with Job when the enemy came to Yah and said, well, I can't touch him. I can't do anything because you've got a hedge around it. Well, each person has their own hedge around their pottery. You can look at it and you can take your time looking at somebody else's pottery. You're not able to change anything unless that person breaks nothing is going to change. And I had this thought with this this morning about when, about breaking, no change can come unless there's a break. And you can really think about that and say, well, no, I can change lasting change. I'm not going to say you don't have a temporary change, lasting change, which comes through repentance towards Yah is You've got to come to where, as the song we're familiar with says, when you come to where you're broken within, then the light can meet the dark. Then you can really see what there is to change. That's why Messiah said that I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sick. The sick meaning the brokenhearted, the contrite, that I know I'm broken. I need healing. I want healing. The the woman that had the bleeding condition, she was broken. If I could only touch the hem of his garment that I'm going to do this because I really desire to be healed. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be healed. That broken state of mind, you have to realize that you need help and that you're broken first because then you're willing to learn to take in the information to actually make a lasting change. And that's what repentance is. And you mentioned this. When you repent, you turn, but the repentance is actually walking in a different direction. Because you can turn away from God, you can repent from God and walk in repentance towards the enemy. So it's a it's a turn, but the burning down the house, that repentance is your commitment to forever change, and that's the pottery wheel. You ever notice it's not a pottery square, it's a pottery wheel, and it makes me think of the circular of God, the ever-increasing going, so you're, that wheel is turning and you just mold your own life. And so that's why the importance of the lower conscience digging into it, because you can see the clay that you've made and you can take that pottery where you've made heart changes, you made steadfast mind changes, but it's dysfunctional. So you can take that and just shatter that pottery and not take those shattered pieces and try to remake it, but no, start a new piece of pottery. And that's the point of faith is figuring out the things that are dysfunctional in your lower conscience, the the ones that you've set and breaking them and then getting another piece of clay and using the word of God and molding that. And then once you see that this is what you're steadfast in is what's right to do, then you, what's called you fire it and you set it. And then you have a nice piece of pottery that can be a nice vessel for honor or for dishonor. This is a, a really a very helpful metaphor from Yah. And recently I listened to one of the prior podcasts and this goes in directly with that as well. The parables, there's a veil over the the truth of God. And until you turn to God to see what you can see, it's going to be veiled because those that if you're not really wanting to know the truth, then it's going to be veiled until you make a decision that you really want to go after it and look for it my job that I have, it's veiled to you. Now you can see some things from the outside, but and my your job is veiled to me unless I do my part 
to go after it and actually have the veil lifted to where now I can see the things that I'm not seeing because now I'm in a position to be able to see. And that's the thing in order to be in a position to make changes, you've got to break first. You have to realize that there's something that is not functional according to Yah, and I'm going to change this. And then you start the process of that molding the clay until it's time. Okay, now I'm going to set this. Now this is going to be, this is what I'm going to do. But how many people will, like you said, hear that scripture, listen to it and say, well, it's in God's hands. God's the potter. They're in control. So if somebody dies, it's in Yah's hands. If somebody lives, it's in Yah's hands. But I would say to this, how about this? Yes. From a perspective of at the end, at the great white throne judgment, that if somebody made a decision for God, they found faith that they'll enter the kingdom or they'll be put outside the kingdom into outer darkness. How about us as people that are seeking after God, how about we make the changes and we do what's necessary to line it up and not put it on Yah to do something to where, well, it's in God's hands. Well, is it really in God's hands or is it in your hands? And we'll attempt at times in the past to, to blame God or put it on God to where, well, the reason this person died or lived was because of God, but how about the, they lived or died because of the choices that they made, but the reason Yah's position in it is blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. You just fell in one or the other. So really, it's not a blame of God. It's a blame on you. You're the one that made the decision. You're the one that chose to do this or that, and the one that you had mentioned, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Yeah, the, the plans are the gospel message, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a hope in a future. But if you don't make the choice to go along with the plans of God, then it's not Yah's fault. It's you didn't go along with the plan because who was Yah talking to? He's talking to Joshua, or I think it was Joshua, if I remember right. But the if Yah knows the plans that they have for you, they're plans. It didn't say, I know what you're going to do. It says, I know the plans that I have for you. My plan is for your absolute best. But if you don't adhere to these plans, it's just like if you have a, with your construction background, if you have a set of plans, I know the plans that I have for this house. Plans to put a bathroom here. Plans to put a kitchen here. But what if I'm the builder? You give me the plans and I look at it and I say, well, I'm not going to do this plan. I'm going to do a different one. Well, but that wasn't the plan that I had. You took it a different direction, but then the builder gets upset. Well, why aren't you satisfied? Well, because that's not the plan that I had for you. And ultimately that's speaking to Messiah, that the plan is in Messiah, that you would have that prosperity. But so many people are putting it all on God that it's God's fault if this happened, or it's God's fault if somebody doesn't do this or that because you're the potter and we're the clay. What can we do? You're God, that God is in control. Well, yes, Yah is the ultimate authority, but you're in control of your own life. I, I just see this as a, a, a wonderful teaching just to remove excuses from people to say that, well, it's, just, it's not my fault. There's nothing I could do. 
No, that's one of the eye-opening things that Yah brought to us is that stop making excuses, that no excuses are going to be accepted on the day of judgment because what you reaped is what you sowed, and there is no blame to be put on God. If you didn't see something, it's not God's fault. They'll bring it up to you. The books are going to be open, and you'll say, for example, somebody may say, I didn't understand, and Yah will say, yeah, you didn't understand. Do you see here? but you just didn't go after it deep enough. You didn't look for it. So those are my thoughts so far and just see where Yah takes us. But yeah, this, it's an eye-opening thing because we actually, this was brought to a Sunday of last week. And we were, if I remember right, we were listening to a song and you had gotten some thoughts like this and I'd never thought about it from that perspective. It just made me think that, well, I mean, Yah's in control. We're the clay. We're, what can we do? But then, the aspect of Yah actually bringing out that, no, we give you the opportunity to have self-control. Well, self-control means is that you control your own faith, so you're the pottery over your own faith. So you cannot borrow somebody's faith because if you attempt to do that, then you're sticking your hand on their clay wheel and you're attempting to get their faith. And, well, let me borrow your faith, so I'll go onto your wheel. No, each person has their own wheel. And when each person stands before God, you're going to have to give an account for your life and you'll have to look at your pottery. And the word even talks about this is that you're going to, each man or woman's work is going to be judged by fire. And when it goes to the fire, if it was built on the precious stones and the truth of God, or if it was built on the hay and the straw, it's going to be, the, the fire is going to bring it to life. So it doesn't say that you're going to stand beside somebody else and you're, burning up or not is going to be dependent upon somebody else. So I just see this as just a more a way to really evaluate your own life and your own faith and stop blaming God and saying that it's God's fault that these things are happening or not happening. And a lot of times people will say it's God's fault by why well, know the plans I have for you declares the Lord when somebody gets uh, sick or uh, something uh, horrible that they perceive as horrible happens to them, then somebody says, well, the Bible says, I know the plans I have for you. So you're blaming God. You're saying, well, this is God's plan. Well, it's God's plan for you to uh, be uh, on death's doorstep. And that's not what that scripture says at all. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, the plans for a hope and a future. So, if you're seeing what's going on as a bad thing, then where's your hope in your future in that? I'm not saying that you're not going to struggle through things and that it's going to be like, oh, this just feels so good. But you're going to embrace it because in faith in God, we are, uh, we have the fullness. And why should I not embrace those things from God? One thing I want to uh, bring out is I spoke earlier about the combination of the uh, literal to the metaphorical. And this statement of God is the potter, and it's written in Scripture, and, you know, cannot the potter make the uh, implements for uh, noble purposes and some for ignoble purposes, and if you just take that and run with it, 
you perceive that, well, God made Pharaoh like he was, and God made uh, the disciples like they were. <coughs> so in essence, they didn't have a choice. Well, that's where you have to look into it and recognize and figure out where the balance in it is because we know that you have to have faith to be pleasing to God. If it was God doing it, then God would shape everybody the exact same way. If God's, uh, the word says that God wishes that none would perish. So certainly the potter, if he's the one actually shaping your life, then he's going to shape you for salvation. So nobody would perish, but that's not the way their design worked. So let's look at it from this perspective that God is the potter and we are the clay in the concept of the original creation, what God created, why they created it, how they created it. And they created the world in such a way that some would choose to be pottery for noble purposes and some would choose to be pottery for ignoble purposes. And it's, it's by their uh, design and they're building it in the beginning is what laid it out for you to have a choice whether you're going to work for the noble purposes of God through faith or the ignoble purposes of God through ignorance. And remember, the, uh, the word ignorant does not mean you don't know because ignorant is the constant uh, situation of ignoring something, not paying attention, uh, not adhering to what you know is there, but you write it off, you do other things with it, that it's up to you. So when God says God is the potter and we are the clay, that is true, that God created everything the way they did for a functional purpose. And some of that function was dysfunction because dysfunction calls a, causes a purpose that then causes you to make a decision whether you're going to be functional or dysfunctional. And so we can't say, well, God was wrong because he made what people would say would uh, evil, he put evil in the world. Well, it's there for a functional reason because we know that when God created everything, everything that God created, he said was good, meaning it was functional. And so <clears throat> from that perspective, God was the potter. Nobody, nobody told God what or how they're going to do what they're going to do. But the way they created it was so that you would then become the potter of your own life. And you, regardless of whether you take the pottery class or you don't, you're still the potter of your own life. And so it's a transformation that once God did the creation, they were the potter, we were the clay. They formed us from the dust of the earth. Okay, I, I, I get that. We had no, uh, no bearing, no control over that. But as far as salvation, what happens is God becomes the master potter. And God has pottery classes for you 
to learn how to mold and shape your own life in accordance with their will. And in order to do that, you have to go to the classes. You have to listen to the teacher. You have to do what the teacher says. You have to inquire of the teacher, ask questions, do all those things in order to learn. Okay, well, I was, I'm working on this and it's just not looking exactly right. What am I doing wrong? And then God says, okay, well, you're doing this and you're putting too much pressure here. So ease up just a little bit or add a little more pressure or, you know, whatever it is. And you do what they tell you to do. And then you're following the plan of the Lord because that's the, the thing. God's plan is for prosperity and not harm. But in order for you to work within the plan of God, you have to look at the plan and follow the plan. What is the plan? Well, the plan is follow my commands and walk in my ways. That's the reality of what the plans of God are. If you walk in the ways of God, then you will have prosperity, not harm. You will have hope in a future. But it's not something that's just granted to you because, well, I have faith, so all the plans of God, <coughs> all the plans of God, are it, 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 it's going to work out and it's going to be fine. No, God says, no, you've got to come to me, the master potter, and you have to learn how to work your own pottery because here's how it works. Your conscious mind is the potter. Your subconscious mind is the clay. And what the problem has been throughout the, the years that the gospel message has gotten changed is people have been letting other people put their hands in their clay and shape them into a form of Christianity or Hinduism or Islam or other things that are not of God, though all of them have some concepts that are truth-based in the midst of what they're doing, but that truth is hidden and ineffective because of all the lies that surround it. And if a story is 99.9% .9 true and 0.01% uh, wrong, then it's wrong. It's false. It has to be what's the story is has to be everything you say has to has have to have happened. And so <laughs> this is important for people to understand that when the Bible says God is the potter and we're the clay and we don't talk back to God because uh, God is the potter. Well, that's meaning that because God created me this way, I don't because God created me with the ability to sin, I don't blame him because it's my choice. I was left with a choice of whether I'm going to continue in sin or not. I, I We all are in a world where once you're born into the world, you're a sin. Once, once you become flesh, you have sin, but God made it so that you have a choice to say, you know what? I'm going to be the artisan of my own life. There's a, a uh, Latin saying, and um, 
I, I, I'm not going to, I'll probably butcher it if I try to say it in Latin, but it, ultimately the meaning is every man is the artisan of his own fortune. Okay. Meaning that if you are rich or you're poor, it's because of the decisions and the choices and the things that you made in order to put you in that position. You know, if you spend excessively and uh, every time you get money, it goes right out the door, then you're not going to have a fortune from that perspective, from a financial perspective. But if you save and you put away, then you are being an artisan. You are shaping your own fortune. Now, when we look at fortune according to God, we want to shape our fortune in accordance with the word of God. And that that uh, is absolutely true. Now, we can't do it without God, but each individual person in this life is an artisan of their own faith. And either you're going to build your faith in the realities of God and what they have laid out, the plan that they have laid out for you to decide, you to make choices, you to repent, then it will be good. But too many people decide they're going to follow their own plan. Well, well, I'll follow the plans of God when it makes me feel good. But when it doesn't make me feel good, then I'm not going to follow the plans of God. I'm going to do what I want to do because, well, that's not, well, that's not right. Or, or I don't believe that God would do this or that. And read it, read it in the word, talk to God, have conversation. But like you said, in order for somebody to do these things and in order for somebody to be healed and fixed are the ones that, yes, you have to be broken, but you have to see you're broken. That, that's what Messiah was saying. I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. The sick are the ones that are like, man, I, I don't feel good. I don't, I got to go to the doctor. Something's wrong. I, I, I need help. And so he's, he is not here for those who are convinced that they're righteous. That, that's what he was saying, like the Pharisees. You know, they, their consideration was that they were righteous because they had the law and they had this uh, pride about what they were doing, but none of them were actually following the law. And so they were in a position where they were like, well, we have the law and we're, we're prideful and we, we've got this. And Messiah's looking for the one that says, wow, I've broken that law of God. I haven't lived that law of God. I need, I need help. I need a change. I need to go see the doctor and have the doctor give me a prescription and go to God and God will give you a prescription. But you have to, not only do you have to be broken, because you can be broken and not say it. And if you don't say it, if you don't recognize you're broken, why are you going to go to a doctor? Well, why are you going to take your car to the mechanic if you don't think it's broken? You're not. You're going to just keep driving it until something worse happens. And so it's important for people to understand when the Bible talks about God being the potter and us being the clay, that's referring to the original creation. And then... It's, it is referring to specific things that God had put in place for 
the sake of prophetic messages that this is going to happen. Okay, God shaped that and you're not going to change it. There's nothing you can do to change it. The only thing you can do is decide whether you're going to be on God's side on it or you're going to be on the enemy's side. It's That's the choice you have within it. Well, within that, you're shaping your own thoughts. And that's why the Bible says to be self-controlled. The Bible doesn't even say to be God-controlled. It says to be self-controlled. And why is that? Well, people would say, well, no, you got to be God-controlled. No, because that puts it in God's hands that, well, if it doesn't happen, then it's God's fault and God's to blame. So I have an excuse before God. Well, if <coughs> if God is the, the potter of your life and you really can't do anything about it, then you have an excuse before God. But we have scripture that says in Romans that man is without excuse. You will have no excuse when you stand before God on the day of judgment. You will have nothing but, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. The Bible says for you to be self-controlled, and that's exactly what God means. Now, it means to use the plan of God and the ideals of God, but you control yourself in such a way that sin is no longer a part of your life. And you do that by changing your conscious mind and then getting into your subconscious. Your subconscious in this life has been shaped by so many other people putting their hand in your clay and you letting them put their hand in your clay because, well, it's just too hard. Somebody else can do it or somebody else needs to do it. And we give over to somebody else the control of who we are rather than, no, I'm going to be self-controlled. I'm going to do this because I choose to do it, not because God forces me to do it. I do this because I want to do it, because that is the decision and the choice that I have made, that I'm going to live a life that is right before God, and in order to do that, I must have a constant uh, conversation and connection, relationship to the master potter, the one who can teach me how to mold the clay of my life, how to mold my heart which is my subconscious, because anything, here's how this works. Anything that happens with you does not, nothing goes into your subconscious first and into your conscious mind. It's the opposite way. It goes into your conscious mind, and then you shape it in your subconscious. And a lot of times you shape it because you're trying to ease something, or you're trying to get away from some pain, or you're trying to uh, do something different rather than to just go through the suffering, go through the struggle, go through the sacrifice, and be okay with the outcome. It's hugely important that people understand that you have to become the potter. You have to become the artisan of your own faith, but you being the artisan of your own faith is you following the plans of God, not you deciding that, well, I'm going to make the rules up when it comes to faith. No, I'm going to follow the, okay, I got this picture on the wall of a lion, so I'm going to I'm going to copy that picture of that lion the absolute best I can, 
And if I don't get it just right, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be using a pencil so I can uh, erase and go again. And the lion on the wall for us in faith is Messiah. And we're shaping our life. If we have true faith in God, we're shaping our life to look like the life of Messiah, that we walk as he did, that we live in this life without sin. And it's important that people know that you have to do it. There's a song that says, change my heart, oh God. And so God's going to change my heart instead of, no, I'm going to change my heart. I'm the one that, but I'm going to do it by following the plan of God and the plan of God for prosperity and uh, future is all built around you're walking in their commands and being obedient to what they say. That that's the plans of God will be carried out through that avenue and that concept. But too many people are putting it all on God. Well, God, you change my heart. No, the Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's not, I'm going to draw near you. I'm going to draw you near to me, so then I can draw near to you. No, you want the plan of God. The plan of God is you turn to God. You draw yourself to God. You seek them with all of your heart. Then they will turn and seek you with all of their heart. But you have to be the artisan of that, whatever that picture is going to look like. And when we get to the final judgment, your picture is going to be uh, painted, and either you lived your life so that you look like Messiah, or you lived your life so you don't look like Messiah, and that will be the determination of who goes where. I got a question for you. I don't think that um, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Did you have a teacher for your construction, or did you? I know people say you're self-taught, but obviously we can't. You have to have some material to. Did you have like a person that like a, were you an apprentice? Were you like, did you go to somebody to teach you how to do your, your construction stuff? I was just curious. Yes, but not from the, not from the traditional form of, I didn't go to, I didn't take carpentry in school. I did take electrical in school, but I didn't take carpentry in school. But the, the teaching and the teachers I had were all the carpenters that when I started out as a laborer, as a helper, moving into a carpenter, you're watching what the other ones, the other carpenters are doing. You're, you're, you're uh, seeing that, okay, well, how do I lay out a wall? Because if I just give you tape measure and say, lay out a wall, well, you don't know unless you've been taught that, well, I have to lay it out on 16-inch centers. Well, if I lay it out on 16-inch centers, so do I just pull the tape measure and mark it at 16 inches and and move forward? Well, no, because then you're going to have a gap in the corner with the drywall. And so you have to measure 15 and a quarter inches, and then your next mark is at 31 and a quarter. And you're, you're, you're still doing, once you make the first mark, 
it's every 16 inches, but your first mark is not at 16 inches. That throws everything off. So you have to back it up half the thickness of the stud, which is three quarters of an inch. So you back it up to 15 and a quarter, and then you either move the tape measure to the center of that, or you just take and you mark it at the quarter on every 16, you know, back three quarters of an inch from every 16, uh, 16 inch mark on it, or if it's 24 inch, but you can't without any knowledge of it. You can't just, you just can't learn it. It's just like Noah could not have built the boat if God didn't teach him and give him the instructions on how to build the boat. He had to have a teacher, but God didn't build the boat. Well, for I know the plans of the Lord, it's plans to save Noah. So Noah's going to sit back in his rocking chair and watch God build the boat. And then at the right time, then he's just going to get in the boat. No, no, Noah, you have to build this boat. You want to be saved? You have to build the ark. You have to build the ark. Let me worry about what goes in the ark, but you build the ark and you could put it as with faith that you're building the ark of the covenant. You're building that solid shield on the outside and you let God put on the inside what belongs there so that you have part, you have stuff that you have to do and you have to be taught from a teacher. And it doesn't have to be like you learn uh, to do carpentry work. Okay. Well, you didn't go to school for it, so you don't know how to do it. Now, well, I did go to school, but not from the traditional sense that people see that you go to school. It's like, well, y'all have never gone to seminary. And yes, we have. We went to the the best seminary that there is in this world. And that is God. Letting God teach us, letting God shape us, letting, letting God mold us. You know, do we have a uh, organization in this world that we can say, yeah, we got our, our diploma from this place and, and that certifies us? No. We went to seminary, and we're still in seminary, and you enter into faith, you enter into seminary, and you never exit it because we will always be learning, growing, and improving. But we have to pay attention to what the teacher is teaching us, and then we have to apply it without the application of it. It's nothing. If somebody's telling me how to start my car to go to the store, and I never actually get in my car and turn the key, now push the button, then the car's not going to start. It's going to stay right where it is. It's not going to do anything until I do my part. Yes, the car is there to get you to the store. Faith is there to get you to the kingdom of God. But you have to operate it. You have to be the operator of that car in order to get you to the store. And you don't do it in accordance with what you think. You do it in accordance with what the design of the car is. Well, I'm just going to drive to the store in reverse, but I'm facing forward. Well, no, because that's that's not the, the design of it. And, well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll put it in reverse, but it'll go forward. No, you're changing what the plan is. And so that this is just a, a lot of uh, the reality of what the truth is 
is that we have the opportunity, the ability, and we must shape our own faith and our own life. And we do it because we go to the master potter and we say, okay, I have this issue. Talk me through it. How do I need to do it? But expect that you're going to do the labor necessary. You're just going to use the instruction from the instructor. So from your question, yes, you don't learn anything without there being some sort of core base understanding of what you're doing. If for you to do insurance work, now you didn't have to have any education for that. No, you, you had education for anybody to do anything. They have to have some form of education. Is it in the traditional form? Not necessarily. You know, people learn how to do electrical on the job. You know, we talk about with physical labor, your best way to learn things is on the job training. It's still a training. You still have to see somebody else do it to know how to do it. And then you apply it. That's the whole concept. And us walking as Messiah did is that concept. He showed us how to do it. He showed us that in a body of flesh, you're capable. Here's how you do it. Walk as I did, and you will see the glory of the kingdom of God. Well, and that with asking you that question, I'll, I'll share to you the thoughts that came to me because I, Yah took me back when I was in college and studying trumpet, going to the professor of trumpet, that Yah is, another way we can explain this is Yah is the professor and we're the student. And even Messiah said this, that no student is greater than his master, just like the potter and the clay, that how can you be greater than the one that's bringing you the information that you didn't know? And here's, here's what came to mind. The reason I asked you this, just to see what your heart knowledge was. I went to the professor and he knows the plans that he has for me because you're coming to me to learn trumpet. And I have a set of information and heart knowledge to share a way with you so that you came to me because I'm the one that applied to the college. I'm the one that signed up for the class. You came to me and I have plans for you. And I saw this firsthand that there was a, another colleague of mine there that the professor had plans for him, but he didn't practice and he wasn't ready for his recital the way that the teacher thought. And I remember the story is like they had a little piece of paper on a little bulletin board that said the recital was coming up and he said he went downstairs and that piece of paper of his recital was taken down and he was just panicking like, Oh my, what? And teacher said, you're not doing your recital and you're, unless this gets changed or corrected, you are not doing the recital. And that put the fear in him to get him to do it. And the professor would do that. And it's really a good thing because uh, I was just sitting here and I just put myself back in the position where we would sit a little bit different than the way we are. It would be, let's say if you stayed where you were, he would be on this side sitting beside me. He would have a notepad. He would have his trumpet there and he would write down some things and he like, all right, go ahead and play this. And he would sit there and listen. And he would say, all right, we'll do this or that, or change this or change that. And I had a lesson. It was just an hour once a week. You would go in there. He wasn't playing the excerpts for me. He wasn't. Now he would 
think about it this way. He's like, I'm going to play this. And he would play and mimic that. And then he wasn't expecting, you have to sound exactly like that. No, but I want you to listen and form an image in your mind of this is what a good sound is. We want you to practice from this book. And even here recently, I was watching some videos on trumpet playing and different things and on a certain teacher that he had that was in the Chicago Symphony. And what do you know? You watch his videos and the things that he talked about were what he brought to the teaching. So it makes you think it comes from the father and it comes to Yeshua and then it comes to us. And that's why we're to walk as he did, because he's the student of the father and the mother getting the information. And what's interesting is, is that, like you said, it goes to the conscious mind first, then into the lower conscience. That's why it's obligation first, then it's willful. And it made me think of this. How can you have the will of God as your will to do what is right? Now, you can do what is right in your mind. But it made me think of that's why you've got to be trained first to, to understand the will of God. Then it's to transform to where it's your will because it's to do what is right. That's what Yah is looking for. I'm going to teach you these ways so that you will desire to do what is right. That's what's pleasing to where you're doing what is right. You're not doing it because you have to anymore. You're doing it because it's your desire to really do it because it's right to do. It's fair. It's right. But how do you, you can't do that if you don't even know their ways yet. That's why the law, it says as a schoolmaster, the law is that professor, it's that teacher to show you the ways of God so that you can then go to Messiah. He's your example to follow. This is, you want to know what this faith is? Watch him. That This is the example. Well, I will bring you to him when I see that in your mind that you want to do what is right. You want to follow my law. Okay. Now I'll bring you to my son. This is the one that this is the professor. So I thought about this, that Abba is the professor and Yeshua is the professor and mother's a professor and you go to them and learn from them. And then I go out and teach and the professor's right there in the classroom with me. No, they were there with me to teach me. Now I'm entrusting you with this information to where you go out and teach the trumpet. Now I'm here with you. You want to call me? You want to have another lesson? You can come by my office. We can have a lesson. You can have prayer time. You can have, yeah, just, I'm not help me. Yeah. We can have a private lesson, but you're going to go out there and you're going to go back to your classroom. I'm not, I'm at the university. I'm not in your classroom. You want me to go speak to them? You want me to, for me to come to your class and talk to your students? Sure. I'll do that. But you're the teacher. You're the teacher now. And that's the thing is that we, what we know and understand, we've learned from God. And Yah is not sitting here saying, all right, well, every morning, this is what we want you to do. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. Do this. Don't do this. No, they'll tell us what they want, but they'll say, we'll put it in your hands. You go ahead and you decide. We're going to talk about the pottery. We're going to talk about something else. And, and you do it. There's just so many with what Yah gives are so many examples of this in the world and in our everyday life that it just shows you that there is no excuse that's going to be taken because Yah would take you back. Do you remember when you were in college sitting in that room? What do you mean you didn't understand how to find faith and what did you do there? Well, I, I really wanted to. Oh, so you really wanted to do that. So you just chose to do that over faith in us. It was the same concept. You just chose the things of the world and not, so there's nothing 
Yah has the perfect books and examples to say, no, remember this right there. No, you're the, you're the pottery of your own life there. It, it, it's all over the place that when I went to college, am I going to say, who am I to go to my teacher and say, why are you doing this to me? And no, it's just telling you they're the one that have the information. You're not greater than them. Look at your position in this. Now you follow their ways in humility and you carry it on. Then, okay, now I'm okay with you taking my message out and teaching other trumpet players this message because I've seen you, I've watched you. That's my will. And I'm okay with it. You have my full support. But if you change it and go out and do something else, don't put my name on it. Don't put my name on it. You can put your name on it, but no, don't put me on that because that's going to come back to me ultimately as an influence. Like, why did you do that? Don't use my name in vain. Don't sit there and say it's this or that. Don't use my name improperly. And that's the thing is that we've been entrusted with the gospel, but Yah doesn't want us going out and teaching people if we don't understand their truth, because even though it is their choice, you have the opportunity to lead somebody astray. Don't do that. Make sure that you, and that's why the teacher is held more accountable because why did you do what you did? Did you really teach it the way we wanted to, or did you take it a different direction? And I can just see back from my teacher, I can look back at his teacher that taught him and what he did. And I just see, it was just the correlation was those were the concepts that he learned studying trumpet uh, in Chicago. And then we're following their ways. And that's the thing is that Yah is teaching their ways and I'm showing you the example of what I want. But then once you get it, you take it and you make it your own faith. It lines up. That's what we're looking for. And I had this thought, do people really know what they're saying when they say, I want God to be in control? Because if you leave it in God's hands and you don't change anything, what's going to happen? You're going to end up in hell. Well, I, I don't understand. Well, you said you wanted me in control. I gave you the opportunity to choose. So now it's in my control and I'm going to send you over here because of your choice or lack of choice. It's interesting. Be careful what you actually ask for because you just might get it and don't recognize what you are asking for. And actually, I, you probably saw my body language that I was rolling with. I remember that song that says, God, change my heart. Oh, God, change my heart. Oh, God. And I thought, y'all will not do that. Not only is it can they do it, they will not do it because, no, then that there's no faith for you. If I change it, then it has nothing to do with your faith because faith without works is dead. And I had that, that go through my mind that with the car, the application, you get in the car and you drive it. So without you taking it in action, Yah says you don't have faith because you're not willing to actually apply what we're teaching. And I had a just a silly thought. I was looking at the, the pain in this room. What would happen if you were to go to Lowe's and you buy the paint and the brushes and the stirs and you just sit it on the floor and, yep, I've got the paint here. It's going to look great. And why don't you open the paint and apply the paint to the wall? Well, no, I've got the paint. It's painted. No, that paint will stay in the can. And nothing will happen until you open the can. You pour the, the paint in the little paint roller tray and you get the roller and you start applying the paint. The paint is not going to paint the wall for you, but 
it's that old adage that somebody says, I want heat from a stove and it's like, give me heat. Then I'll put in the wood. No, put in the wood first, then you'll get the, the heat. And that's the thing, put in the faith first, then Yah will reveal things. It, it just, it has to go in a, in an order. And this is a lesson for me of, of the listening. When you get things from Yah, cause we're getting things left and right. It's just lay it to the side. And it was interesting because when you, when you spoke the part about the, um, changing my heart that mother told me, she said, do you see when you get something, just put it to the side and just wait, because do you see how, what you were dwelling on, I'm going to bring out when it's the right time, you'll get what you need to get. Just kind of lay it over here. And when it's the right time, it'll, it'll come out because it's all our truth anyway. So it'll, don't be concerned about when it comes just, okay, well, put that over there. And then it's just helping me to get more and learn more and just not get distracted on because you're like, man, that's really cool. And then no, just put it over here and then I'll bring it around. It's just, it's just really neat. When we started the podcast and uh, I had a lot of things in mind that I could say, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to turn it over to Sean see what he has. And you spoke about the things that were on my mind. And so it doesn't matter whether you speak them or I speak them. Uh, It's what y'all wanted. So it came out and that's just, y'all just uh, continually giving evidence of their existence and their work is that you get this thought and it's in your mind and then somebody else starts to speak about it. That, that, that doesn't come from you. Some thoughts that I had while you were talking was that you can't learn anything if there's not a teacher. You cannot learn anything if there's not a teacher. Just like you cannot teach anything if there's not a learner. Or you don't have material. You have nothing to teach. Well, you don't have a learner. How can you teach? You can't. It's an impossibility. And, well, somebody might say, well, what about uh, what about people who taught themselves? Self, self-taught people. Uh, what about, like, Edison when he was working on the light bulb? Because I saw that as a counter. Uh, well, he was teaching himself how to build the light bulb. No. He wasn't the mistakes that he made in the midst of it taught him how to not do it again. And then each time he kept being taught by the concept because until you do it right, it's not going to operate and everything that's going to operate has to have a design. There has to be, there had to be the ability for the uh, cotton thread filament to work, if it didn't, we would not have light bulbs because it has to be, you know, new inventions. Well, I invented this. No, you didn't. It existed already. The, the, The way to do it, what to do, how to do it. Yeah. Is it new to us? Yes. But, it's not new because God put that stuff into place. And 
it's like somebody might say, well, yeah, but I, 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 just by listening to music, I didn't go to a teacher. I learned how to play. No, you didn't learn how to play. Now you did learn how to mimic somebody else, but you're mimicking somebody else. You had to hear somebody else's information. So that person's music that they played that you were listening to, to get yours to sound the same. That was your teacher just because you didn't go to a school doesn't mean that you weren't taught and people go through their lives not realizing the detriment of the things that people are teaching them by them accepting things as truth that aren't really true just because they don't know better well i don't know i'm not capable you you are you just have to be willing to put in the time necessary to achieve the goals because you cannot teach somebody if there's nobody there to learn, to learn and you cannot learn something if there's nobody there to teach you and God put everything into place from creation. Anything that is formulated now was given the ability to be formulated. You just have to know the right things to do to make that thing work. It's not as though you're truly creating something new because we have scripture that says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. What is was before and will be again. So from that concept Everything that comes into existence, the new, you know, they had horses uh, before they had cars. The car came into, oh, look, I created this. No, you didn't. You were just able to tap into the frequency that has the plans for how to build a car. And then you, you figured out how to build the car through that perspective. If it didn't exist in any kind of design plan at all, then you cannot make it because it doesn't exist. And you can't, we know as humans, we cannot create matter without matter. We cannot, you have to have matter for you to create something or for you to form something. And that matter was there. It's been there for a long time, but that's the the concept in it. You have to have a teacher. Who's your teacher is the question. Many people are professing God to be their teacher, but their true professor is the devil. It's the enemy of God because they're doing and professing things that are supposedly of God, but yet don't line up with what the Bible says. They don't correlate to what the Bible says. And if you were to ask God, God would tell you something completely different, but you let somebody else teach you a wrong perspective. And this is the thing. It's like we can look at people in other religions, Christianity, uh, Hindu, Muslim. We cannot help those people. Should we be going door to door, pounding on people's doors and trying to repent, repent, No, because even the Bible 
makes it clear that who are we to go to? The brokenhearted. And that's the thing. If you're confident in your Catholicism or your uh, Baptist or your Methodist, if you're, you're confident in that, then I can't give you anything until you break to the recognition that what I've been doing in this faith of Christianity does not line up with the Bible, does not line up with the Son of God, and that's a problem, and I'm going to figure this out. Unless you have that break, we or nobody else can help you from a faith perspective because you have to break. And the problem is is that you're already broken. The problem is, is you don't see the break within, that you have to see the break within, recognize that you're broken, <laughs> and then you come to that point of repentance of, no, I am never doing that again. And then you start working, walking in a journey of continually walking away from whatever it is that you just professed that you weren't going to do, even if it comes up again, your profession is that much stronger in indignation, longing, and alarm that, no, I'm not doing that. I don't accept that. I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to fight it till the day I die. If I never overcome this, it doesn't matter because I will overcome it by fighting it till the day I die. And that's the reality of it, that we have the ability to shape our own life. And not only do we have the ability, we do shape our own life. The problem is, is are you shaping your life in accordance with the truth of God, or are you shaping it in accordance with the truth of the enemy, with the truth of man, with the what, what man tells you is what it is, because people are living in religion based in what they've been taught, but they haven't been taught by God, and therefore we end up in Christianity, except Jesus is Lord and Savior, or the Muslim religion where it's 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 about we you've got to find the five pillars of faith and you you live your life according to those five pillars of faith. But once you uh, once you do that, then God still decides whether you're going in the kingdom or not. Where the true faith in God says, no, if you trust in God and you walk in their ways and you follow their plan, that then you will be in the kingdom of God. And you have to let God teach you. But in order for us to reach anybody from any religion anywhere, they have to be broken to that. Somebody in uh, Islam has to be in a place where they're like, this is wrong. This, this just, I've been doing this for so long and it's not right. And there's, there's, there's something that I'm missing. I need to figure it out. And again, it's something that you're missing because Islam, if you look into Islam, I agree. Follow the five pillars of the Islam faith. No question. No question. Follow the the ideals of the 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 uh, calm, cool, collected, peaceful mindset of the Hindu. It's important, but don't grab all of that because it's not all true. See what we're doing with this faith in Messiah is we're grabbing the truth from every area that truth exists and compiling that together so that we have a good base of knowledge and understanding of the truth of God, and then we apply things from 
those truths of other faiths that are out there. But for those people to have the faith that we have, the only thing they need to do is break to the reality that this, what I'm following, is not going to get me into the kingdom. And the simple way to tell that is fear. If you fear anything, then you know you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. And so be in a place where you don't have fear. In order to be in that place where you don't have fear, you have to learn those things, and you can't learn those things if you're, nope, the Catholic way, that is the only way, and nobody will ever be able to convince me of anything different. Okay, I can't help you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not, you want to live that life and live your life? Go ahead. You can do that. Or, and again, Catholic, Baptist, uh, Hindu, Muslim, uh, Buddhist, it doesn't matter what concept it is. For somebody to be able to see and recognize what we're talking about, they have to be broken within. They have to see the break within, and they have to know that they can't fix that break within. I need to go to somebody who can help me fix this break. And that's what I'm going to do. God, I see that I'm broken. I need the help. Okay. That's the person that we want to talk to. We want to talk to the brokenhearted, the one that says, you know what? I've been following this faith for a long time and it just doesn't seem right. There's something that's off. There's something that's wrong. I always question, am I really saved? Even though I've, I've made that profession, uh, two, three, four, five, 20 times that, that there's, there's something missing. There's something missing. And until you realize that the something missing is truly God in your life because you've been taught and you've allowed other people to teach you wrong, there's nothing you can do. And there's nothing I can do for anybody if they don't want it. And this is where God talked about in the Bible about cast, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Don't cast your pearls. Messiah wasn't intentionally going out and casting the truth of God to the Pharisees. He addressed the Pharisees when they came to him. They came to him asking him questions, trying to trap him, doing these things, and Nicodemus coming to him at night. Then Messiah uh, would talk to them, but he didn't go out. He went out to the ones that recognized that they were sick. How did he know that? Because they were sick, and they were coming. They were looking for healing. Uh, A lot of it was physical healing to bring about the understanding that, well, if he can heal physically, he gets that power from God, then he's got the power to feel, to heal, uh, spiritually as well. And so it, it's just huge importance for people to recognize that. And somebody may look at us and say, well, you, you guys don't just go out and you don't preach the good news. And where's your outreach? We got it right here. The podcast is the outreach and the outreach is intended to reach the brokenhearted, the one that that recognizes that they're not right with God, the one that recognizes that they need to do something different and they've decided firmly that they're going to, then we can help you, help you. We can uh, assist you by giving you information that God has given us, but like you said, we can even give you the bucket of paint. We can give you the paintbrush. We can give you the roller. We can give you the tape to tape things off, but we cannot do it for you. 
We cannot apply the brush to the paint to the wall, the roller to the, the paint to the wall. That's your job. That's your responsibility. But we can tell you. I could talk somebody through. I know how to paint. Now, am I as skilled at it as somebody who does it on a daily basis? No. But I can paint. I know how to paint. I know how to paint. If you know anything about painting, that if you don't do it right, you'll leave these lines down your wall. And so in order to not do that, you have to know the right amount of pressure. (laughs) Excuse me. You have to know the right amount of pressure. And you have to know how to back roll because you're back rolling and lightening the pressure as you back roll pulls the lines out of it. If you push too hard, that's when you, you, you'll see lines in your paint because it's just a build up a thicker paint uh, in that area. And so it's just a, a concept of things that you have to learn. But we can, we can put the paint bucket there. We can put the brush there. We can give you all the tools and the supplies that you need, and that's what God does for us. If we want to paint the room, if I don't want to paint the room, God's not going to supply anything for me. But if I'm like, God, I, I don't have these tools necessary. I don't have the paint to paint the room. Can you help me? Sure. We'll give you the supplies all you need. All right, God, now you paint the room for me. Now, no, we will not do it. Because if God does, then you have an excuse in the end. In the the white throne judgment, people will have excuses. And Romans makes it clear that man is without excuse, that God left things in the creation in such a way that it's all up to your choices. You are the artisan of your own faith, and you or you are the artisan of your own uh, hell. Not meaning that the, the faith is yours. It's God's faith. But whether you have it or not is determined by whether you truly follow the true avenue of God or you follow something that sounds good, that feels good, but in the end is going to put you in a place of not feeling good, of, of eternal torment. I would much rather feel pain and suffering now in this life so that I don't have to endure that for an eternity rather than to get the comfort comfort and the peace now in order to uh, have the discomfort and the burning in the end. It's much, it's very much worth going through whatever that you will go through. Paul even says that these momentary trials that we have are, are fleeting. They, they will amount to nothing on the day we enter into the kingdom it'll be like this major thing that happened is going to be like a splinter in your finger. Like, uh, well, that wasn't to get this though. Oh, that was well worth to get this, but you have to be willing to go through the pain and suffering now. So you don't have to endure it later. And there is pain and suffering uh, involved. And then there's sacrifice, the willful, giving up of something that would benefit you for the cause of somebody else. And in this case, the cause of God. 
had something come to mind and you made a statement and I, I was rolling this. You made a statement that you said the truth of the enemy. And I was thinking about this is like, how many times have you heard this? Well, I live my truth or, or I live this truth. And it made me think of when we say the word truth, the only truth is the word of God and what God does. Now here's what happens though. The teachings that are false is the truth of the enemy, but is it true? Because if it's not 100%, like we said before, and I was thinking about, I know what you, one of those, like, what did you mean to say? Because, well, this is true according to God. And yeah, that is the quote unquote truth of the enemy. But is it really true? Because I remember Messiah even said that he's the father of lies and there's no truth in him. So if make sure you realize who you're following, because did God really say, okay, so you got to be careful that, yeah, this is true. Well, let me see. Does it line up? Does it do this? And you know who Bob Ross is, the painter? Well, he, he died, but I was watching a video of his and this is just coming around. Just, I was thinking about Jan, yeah, their teaching. He had a, a program where he had his son with him and his son looked almost exactly like him, except he had like a mullet. He didn't have the real bushy hair, but he was reading questions and I was looking at his son and he had almost the same color shirt, the same demeanor. And he was reading questions and he would ask the question to Bob and Bob would go right into, he didn't even hesitate. He was like, well, that's a common problem. Here's what you'll do. And he took his paintbrush and he was like, well, here's what will happen. And he's painting and you're like, how in the world does that guy paint? It's like everything he paints, it just looks like it's just so perfect or great. But he was, he was just like, do this, make sure you don't do this. And he was just going along. And I remember watching people thinking, I want to paint like Bob Ross. And how does he do it? He makes it look so easy. I mean, I'm doing what he's doing. It's just, it's not, doesn't look anything. But what happens is you don't see all the times where he was painting by himself, that he made all kinds of mistakes and threw canvases away. And well, I'm not doing that again. That wealth of understanding. It's like what Yah has is they sit there and you watch him. He's doing his brush. Well, I can do that. I'm just doing X's. Yeah. You just do X's, but mine looks nothing, but you don't understand that. But when you're doing that in his lower conscience, well, I'm, my hand is doing this pressure, that pressure. I know not to do this. I know not to do that. There's things you don't know that because I've watched people, they're like, I, I'm doing exactly what he's doing. And it looks nothing like this. And that's the thing. Messiah is the Bob Ross watch. He's the example. Follow him. Do what he did. We're not looking for perfection. We're, but are you using the odorless thinner? Are you not using this paint, you're using this brush. Okay. Well, that's, it'll get there. Just, you just keep practicing. Cause he would say, Hey, well you do this or do that. And then his son would paint and it's like, man, the son looks almost exactly like Bob Ross or almost exactly. And that's the point is the father teaches the son. We follow the father and the son and the mother and they're the teacher They're Like his son, isn't going to sit there and say, well, I paint better than my dad. And it's like, well, you couldn't unless he taught you first, then you can look to surpass what he's doing or carry it on. Well, I was just sitting there thinking that cause I could look at, and I'm sure you've done this. It's like, man, I just, it just looks so easy. Yeah, it does look easy, but in order to get to that place, you're going to have to, you think if you want to paint like him, you're going to go through struggle. You're going to go through suffering because it's going to take time and practice and mistakes and painting and 
canvases and experimenting until, but even then it's not going to look exactly like him anyway. Now it'll look close to it. But I was just sitting there thinking about that people will put it as though, yeah, that's truth. Or you ever sort of um, put this on a post, you just put truth. But is it really truth of God, which is what the truth is? Or is it just your truth, which has nothing to do with God? It's just one of those words that will put truth on something and say, yep, that's truth. But with us, if we say something is, is truth, then we better make sure that it is truth according to Yah, not just because we think something. Now, we could say something is true, like we could give an opinion. But I was just sitting there thinking about that, that aspect is that if there's any lies in it, then it's not true. Yeah, that's that's uh, good for you to point that out. I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even realize I had said that. Um, but I, I'll put it to the aspect of worldly truth versus godly truth, which godly truth is absolute truth. Um, here's what separates them. Okay, godly truth is something that is steadfast, set, will never change. Now, you learn something that's truth of God, that piece will never change, but you can add to it. There'll be more information that you'll learn along the way that you'll add to it. Uh, truth from a worldly perspective is that what you're convinced of. So if you're convinced of something, you think it's true, whether it is or not. And because of that, that's why we have cognitive dissonance. And until you have that break of, this doesn't sound right. I, I, I need to dig into this and look a little bit more. Until you have that break, you're going to be convinced that what you have is truth. So there's a difference that just because you're convinced of something does not make it true. What makes it true is that is absolute unchanging that this is the truth within it. And you can take and okay, well, I'm convinced because eight out of 10 times the outcome was the same. And so the truth is that this is what the outcome is going to be. Well, that's truth based in what you, uh, what you think rather than, wow, every time I do this uh, experiment, 10 out of 10 times, it comes out the same. I've done this experiment a thousand times and every time it's come out 10 out of 10. Now we got an avenue to look at as truth because if there's ever any uh, aspect of it that isn't exactly right, well, it's just a small percentage. So uh, it's, it's true. It's mostly true. So I'm going to see it as true. Well, from the reality, like you were bringing out, is that the truth of the enemy is a lie because he's a liar from the beginning and he's not going to stop now that, uh, but you, as you think about what's in your mind, what you are convinced of is what you perceive to be true. Now, if you're convinced because that what you're looking at is 10 out of 10 all the time and it's not changing, it doesn't modify that truth, doesn't, well, 
we shave this off because of this, or we add this because of that, then no, that then it's not solid truth. The solid truth has to be unwavering, unchanging that no, that's true. But do you see how you can add to it with this perspective? Okay. It's like, well, it's true. It's, it's true that you go to your car, you put the key in the ignition and you turn it. That's how you start a car. That's true. But in order for uh, you to add to that is, okay, that was, that's true. But if I want to go down the road, I've got to start the car and put it in gear. Then I have to, after I put it in gear, I have to apply the, the accelerator and the brake and I have to work that in a balance. And so, yeah, that's all true. And it doesn't change. If you get in a car and you want to go somewhere and you don't put it in gear, it doesn't matter if you started the car. The truth is you started the car. Okay. But yeah, I'm driving down the road, but you're sitting in your driveway because you haven't put it in gear. You can put it in reverse. You didn't put it in forward. And so the car's not going to move. And so you're sitting there. Yeah, I'm driving. No, that's a lie. Even if you're just coasting, you don't put it in gear. It's in neutral when you start it. Well, eventually it's going to come to a stop if you don't turn the steering wheel. And so you're not driving the car. If it's just coasting, it's just coasting. So there's ways that we can look at it, but the reality is, and this is why cognitive dissonance is such an issue, is because you, uh, we're trained in this world that once you're convinced of something, that we take that to be the absolute truth. But yet, there are times where you have questions about it. It's like we talk about with Christianity with the aspect of, well, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but I don't know, something's, oh, I, I accepted him, so it, it's got to be okay. And, yeah, you, you're wavering, and it's, no, we're, it's not about you accepting. It's about you living the life. Don't accept him as Lord and Savior. Live the life that he's Lord of your life, and let him decide if he's going to be your Savior. We spend too much time thinking we know the truth when we don't. We just were convinced of it. And instead of sticking it out and going through the pain of making sure that this is going to be 10 out of 10 every time, then you're not going to know if it's actual truth because that's the the difference is there really is not truth of man. It's truth of God, only truth of God. And that's the the point that you had brought out. But uh, the perception in the minds of people is you think it's true because you're convinced of it. And just because you're convinced of something doesn't mean it's true. I'm convinced, Sean, that it's going to be 80 degrees today where we are. Not unless we're in the Bahamas, maybe. <laughs> right. But that's not where we are. <coughs> right. And, Phil, I don't know if you thought about this. This just came to mind. All right. 
the word says that the enemy is a liar and the father of lies. And I just thought about this is if you, if I'm lying to you, then there has to be something that I know that you don't know. And it made me think of that. The enemy was in the kingdom and knew was looking at God's ways because how would he say, well, did God really, well, how can he lie if he, well, I know if they don't eat of this tree or if they do eat it, then well, I'm going to deceive them. And that's the thing that that's why with mother within, you cannot be deceived because mother knows whatever's coming. But if you don't, that's the thing. If you don't really know, then you can be deceived if somebody's lying to you and you know the truth. No, get away from me because I know you're lying. I'm, I'm seeing that you're not going to deceive me, but I, I had not thought about that, that, that if somebody were to say God doesn't exist, have you ever told a lie? Well, of course, everybody lies. Well, then God exists because how would you know it was a lie if there wasn't something true? And if there's no truth, then God doesn't exist. I, I just thought of that, that another, not an argument, but just another poise of somebody really is making the point of, well, God doesn't exist. Yeah, but if you if you've ever told a lie in your life, then a lie can only be is that you're changing something that is known. Like if I did something to you and it's like, well, I know that that I did that and you don't know it and I'm going to lie to you. But if I have no information, how can I lie that I've no, for example, there can't be lies if there's no truth and lies can't exist if there's no. Yeah, if Yah doesn't exist, just another because it goes back that just another somebody says, well, don't lie to me. Yeah, but it's not possible for me to lie unless there's something that's known that I'm changing. And, and that's the thing, because think about that. I'm going to take this. I know that people need to repent to God, but I'm just going to take that and I'm going to deceive and say that repent is you feeling sorry. So I'm going to I'm going to put that in there and put that out there. No, no. Repent means you just feel bad for your sin. That just, yeah, that's what it means instead of no, that's not what it means, but I'm not going to be able to say, no, that's not what it means unless I I'm convinced and verify with Yah that no, this is what repentance is. And that just came to mind for those seeking this true faith in Yah that if you're convinced and you verify, then you'll know from God, then that's the way that you can make sure that you're not deceived because how somebody going to deceive you? If you know, it'd be like, well, Sean, the trumpet doesn't have three valves. Well, you're not going to deceive me. I know it has three valves. I'm, I'm, I know that with absolution. So you're not going to convince me. It's, it's the people that think they know. Oh, you think you know this? Okay, well, now I'll, I'll throw a wrench in this because you think you know and you really don't. You, you just think that you know. And this is just bringing back to where we started that the, yes, in the in the creation aspect of the sovereignty of God and who they are as the creator and we're the creation, that yes, they're the potter and we're the clay. But the point of faith is that it's supposed to be, we learn from the potter and then Yah allows us to then be the potter of our own faith in the clay. And that's why the fruit of the spirit, which is the love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, self-control that with the help of God within now you are able to control yourself. So you learn from the professor, then you take the professor's information, you make it your own, and then you just continue on. So th this concept in the word of God is true. God is the potter. We are the clay, but they give us the opportunity by faith to where we are now 
the potter and we shape our own life in that we cannot. And again, this is for people that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, seeking with all their heart. We're speaking to those people, those that don't want to adhere to this. That's their own decision. But you really want the things of God and you go after it, that it is a, your your responsibility when you're seeking after this to start learning from Yah and continue learning from Yah. But then it's to where you take it and with circumcision of the heart. Now you have the, the pottery. You're now the potter of your own faith and you can now look into the lower conscience and actually start making changes and being able to see it. So just another, another great teaching of Yah, just bringing out more information. Yeah. And there's a whole lot more that we could use with the pottery perspective that, um, you know, talking about the, the, uh, what happens when they, doesn't uh form like the way you want to what happens after you fire it what's you know all those different things um but we're at a good uh point now where good information has come out from mother and the aspect of the potter yes well you you said it God's the potter with the clay and the creation, but then God becomes the master potter and teaches us how to be a potter. If we want to be a good potter for faith, then we will listen uh, to God. We will do what God says. We will walk in their ways and follow their commands. Um, Sean, anything else as we head I, out? Actually, I just did the scripture. Those that claim to be in him, which is in Yeshua Messiah, must walk as he did. That's telling you, he was the potter and the clay as the example. And he's not, he, yes, because of what he did, he made that mold for us to follow that now we have a piece of pottery to mold ourselves after. So seeking with all your heart going through the journey, but ultimately when you have the fullness of faith that you're now the potter of the clay of your life and Messiah has already given, he's already fired that pottery so that we have no excuse to say, I didn't know how to do this. No, Messiah has already, it's already been done. And that's why the importance of once you have the fullness of faith that you don't fall away, because if you do, then you've shattered that mold and you can't rebuild it again because Messiah is not coming back. So yeah, Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with you on the next podcast. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Reveal. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.